Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. Our team, DSM Men's Team 2021 Preview, truly trying conditions for me. It is... It's got to be 95% humidity. I can't even, I've obviously have to shut the door <laughs> because I can't have the sound of the outside world affecting the sound going into your precious ears. But, I mean, I can't even see out of my sunglasses. They're fogged up. doesn't matter because I've memorized the results of every single rider in the world tour in the last five years. But you know the drill. 2020 review, transfers, cobbled classics team, Arden's team, and... Grand Tours, Giro, Tour de France, and Vuelta. But I've got one thing I'd like to throw in before we get to the 2020 review, Benji, and I don't think we've really spoken about it now. I mean, when we did our reaction to it, we didn't have the full information. Did Mark Hirschi leaving Team DSM early? I'm not sure we've really closed that chapter off yet. What further information's come out, Benji? There's the, the no-talk settlement agreement and the fact that he's gone to UAE and his proposed... Salary. Do you have any of the de- what? What were the salary rumor details that you've seen? Well, we've had a bit of a discussion about it on social media in the last couple of uh, weeks because first, some newspaper in Belgium, or actually, some newspaper in Switzerland, brought out um, that he or she would be riding at the uh, minimum salary possible in World Tour at Sunweb, or at least was riding on that. And Daddy was moving towards a $1 million or $1.3 million deal or something at UAE. Now, some other newspapers since then have brought out different materials. So it's pretty much a guessing game at this point. And I'm unaware about an actual confirmed source. And I don't think we'll ever have that considering it's pretty, uh, yeah, no dog deal, like you mentioned. But um, what is clear is that DSM is obviously not going to offer as much money as UAE. That's going to play a role. He or she is able to earn in the million. And I'm pretty sure he's doing that right now at UAE while he was never going to do that at DSM. So financially, it's definitely a good deal for him. That is very, very certain. It makes no sense to me why they let him go still to this day. Okay, so he's unhappy. Manage it. Deal with it. I mean, he's under contract. Like, if he, that's the point, you know, you you take all these sort of uh, long shot deals with long deals with the young, talented riders, paying them 70, 80, and then a lot of them probably won't work out and you're having to overpay them when they're really pro-conti riders or not worked out at all. That's their real level. And then it's like venture capital. The, the good ones have to subsidize the bad ones that you've invested in. Now, I'd also like to say, who, who, Benji, who the fuck was Mark Hirschi's agent when he signed that original deal? Yeah. I mean, what the hell? If that's true, <laughs> getting paid five figures, <laughs> what? Like, I know it's been good for him at Sunweb, like, development-wise, but 
he won the world champs under 23 road race and did he have other good results when he was a youngster too i mean what else he had lavanian not so great tour alsace good european championships under 23 road race he won that too i mean he was good at tour de Lain as well before it became a stacked race good at liate like 70k in his second or third year of that contract meaning it might have even been 50 or 60 before then he should have been on 150 200 minimum like yeah do you think if you were an agent you'd recommend your rider sign with dsm now because they'd get development opportunities it really depends on the deal you know but in that situation if you got someone pay cut i mean and you have to take a 50 percent pay cut okay let's say it here she Let's say it's Hirschi that I'm agenting. Well, I would uh, never let him sign that deal that he had if it's if it's actually that much that well that low his salary that he had at DSM at the start. I also think that even with my very very limited agenting capabilities, as in almost none, I would probably be able to get him more than what he had if that is actually true. <laughs> so I'm really surprised by these numbers, and I think it's kind of mad that they're even suggesting that that number would be true at the start because they were saying, oh, he's at minimum salary, Neopro salary in his first years, but there's no way he's at that number I can't if he was world it. champion. I almost, I, I, like, I literally, I don't know, I can't believe it. Yeah, so that, that almost makes me not believe this, the story at all. Now, yeah. here's a scenario that I think could be the case. I've got no idea if it is. Okay, so they take they advise him to go to Sunweb. He's the style of rider that he is. Sunweb really suited him. We saw that last year. He is on a base, but if he hits a certain number of, you know, a monument podium or a Grand Tour stage wins, if he, hurt, if he hits certain thresholds, it doesn't have to be like a Grand Tour GC podium, but thresholds that he obviously, you know, hit, might have hit last year. Say he hits them, there's a contractual trigger, which means his base jumps up to 250, 300. Say he's won a Tour de France stage win and then a monument podium, then base goes up to 250, 300, or they must renegotiate. And Sunweb or DSM as they are now just weren't willing to pay him. So in that sense, that would make sense to me because they've, had to let him go when they had no incentive otherwise to let him go and they had to because they were at risk of breaching the contract by not paying him the uplift that he'd triggered in the contract and that's why he was able to leave even though they technically had him on the books for another year so that's one scenario which would make sense to me might not be that maybe they just didn't want to have someone who was unhappy on the team and his agent done him a disservice by signing him to a five-figure, three-year, two-year deal, whatever it was, three years, I think. Anyway, that's the closing out on the history stuff. We'll talk about how he'll fit in with UAE on their preview podcast, but still very, very strange indeed. Uh, but on to their 2020 season, which was good. So I think definitely overperformed. They had not 16 wins, nine of them at World Tour level, Two riders on a podium in a Grand Tour, Hindley and Kelderman at the Giro. Whether that is uh, positive or not, we'll talk about Benji. <laughs> uh, Paranese two stages, Tour de France two stages with Hirschi and Kryanderson. Three stages, sorry, two, two Kryanderson and one Hirschi. Flesh with Hirschi should have had Liège. They were denied a monument by Alaphilippe or I think 
likely would have won, and Giro stage with Hindley as well, stage 18. And a few Herald Sun Tour stages and a Volta, Volta Algarve stage as well with Case Bowl. So it's still an overperforming season, Benji, despite a few question marks tactically along the way, right? Yes, I believe it's a, an actual good season for the team. Like before the season started, they would have they would have signed to have these results for certain because their riders that they have on the, on their sheet are youngsters that must overperform to give these kind of results. And that's exactly what happened throughout 2020. You have Hirschi that bridged up towards the top of punching pretty much. He's now one of the top three punchers in the world. And he was able to show it out for the first time in the Tour de France as well. Their strategies for the Tour de France were pretty great. And eventually they ended up getting three stage wins there. So that's pretty amazing. Also the stage win with Hindley at the Giro, but that is obviously more encapsulated by the two guys on the podium. And honestly, looking at that, I also think they would have signed for two guys on a podium at the start of that Giro for certain. And perhaps at the end of the Giro, they were like, meh, that result is not exactly what we hoped for in the last week. But I believe that that it's still a wonderful overperformance by the team that was at the start there. One rider that perhaps underperformed in that Giro and in some of the uh, races along that would be, in, in my eyes, Michael Matthews. I um I also think that it's kind of the way the team set him up and was obviously focusing on their GC from like week two onwards towards the end of the Giro. And yeah, all in all, just the youngsters all performed and they kept on performing throughout the season. Kasper Pedersen with Tour as well. So it, it's it shows that their development team works in a perfect manner. But like you mentioned, here she left. A bunch of riders left when their contract were still on in the past. It's kind of feeling like a development team with a development team, which might be harsh to say, but sometimes I've got that feeling when it comes to the likes of Sunwell because they've got so many youngsters and still so many youngsters that have the opportunities of pushing forward. And yeah, they've also got a development team after that with other youngsters that could push forward and also make it. But the moment that those youngsters become too good for Sunweb or DSM, at least that's when they leave the team. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for like structure and uh, rigor and things like that, but not, not picking Michael Matthews for a race because he didn't do his homework. is just stupid shit. I mean, like I get it. Um, maybe that works in college football, but these are professional athletes. Treat them like adults. Um, especially guys who've won the green jersey in the Tour de France, um, and maybe just talk to him instead and be like, "Hey, we really need you." Like to so the younger guys, because it's important for the younger guys to do it who aren't as familiar with the race parkour. Like just you know, pretend like you have so that they get into it. It's a good habit for them. That's the sort of conversation on the side I'd expect to have if you're. That's the way I'd deal with it personally, rather than being like, oh, these are the rules, you're, you're out of the race. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it reminds me, I think I might have mentioned this analogy before, it reminds me of Greg Popovich in the finals that <laughs> San Antonio lost to LeBron um, to the Heat, I think when he took Kawhi Leonard out in the finals in an important game for a defensive mishap uh, to prove a point because defense, you can't have lapses on defense despite Kawhi being their, probably the second most important player maybe even their most important player. Um, and it was just cutting off his nose despite his face and might have even cost him the series. So you shouldn't lose sight of the the true goal, even though I do think 
what they're doing generally is quite admirable uh, and they don't get enough credit for winning with, well, they do now after last year, but they didn't, you know, they should get credit for winning with riders who aren't largely on massive deals. But that was their, obviously, overperformance, I think. Should they have won the Giro? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is Jai Henley won Jaco Harold's son to a GC, came second in the Giro. Seb Bowick came second in Harold's son to a GC. Two plus two equals three. Therefore, Seb Berwick will come third in the Vuelta GC this year. On to their transfers. Out. Big names. Matthews Kelderman, Sam Ehrman, Robert Power. Uh, we, we mentioned Ehrman a little bit on the Jumbo Visma podcast. We think he's actually going to be quite helpful for Jumbo Visma this year. Yes. I think he's, he's still a good rider. Kelderman, unfortunately, had that that crash already. Matthews back to a team bike exchange. Robert Power to Quebec Assos. That makes sense. I wouldn't have kept him either. But what do you think about this theory, Benji? Oh, and here she's out as well. How could we forget? Do you think Roman Bardet can make up for all the results that he or she might have provided in 2021? No, of course not. I think yeah. that he or she is going to provide... Of course not. Like, I don't know. Here she is on his way to become one of the best punchers in the world, which he already is. So he can literally win like 50% of the races he rides. Nah. And Bardet can win like one out of 50 that he rides. So not, no way that Bardet is making the same results that here she would. <laughs> Hands down. I don't know. I think there is a world in which there is a world in which that he or she maybe doesn't have as good a season this year as he did last year. And Bardet in the Sunweb system is a different rider who gets more opportunities, has better teammates in the in the one-day races. And I think he's a really class one-day race. So you saw if France had ridden for him in the 2018 World Championships instead of Alaphilippe, maybe he wins that race instead of Valverde. Um, so I think there is a world in which Bardet fills that gap. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's not this world. <laughs> if she regresses a little bit Bade goes back to 2017 level I think it's possible especially if maybe he or she we don't know what he's going to do at UAE yet that being said I still don't agree them letting him go why not have both <laughs> like that's the idea <laughs> Matthew's leaving that had to happen Matthew's wasn't happy there I think it's a good decision for him to leave they didn't want to ride for him they've got Echoff there as well and they didn't want to probably didn't want to pay him. So they didn't want to give him team leadership either. Um, you ought to, like I said on the EF Education Nippo podcast, when you have a system, you got to stick with the difficult transfer decisions and not overpay riders. Otherwise, the system of underpaying for overperforming results with younger riders, it breaks down. Um, but so, do you think you see those transfers out, Benji? You got any, any thoughts on them? They're, they're going to really miss... Any of those riders, do you think they should have kept Ehrman around because he wouldn't have been commanding a massive salary? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't think these riders in this team would have had the future that they will have in their other teams. I think they were kind of on a chain here and the transfer might unchain them a bit while it gives Sunweb the option of looking more at their youngsters once again and trying out the tactics that were at the Tour de France instead of focusing on 
a rider that is so-called leader for a race, but then might underperform. So I think their strategy for the Tour de France is what works really well and that they'll they'll likely try and do so on more than one Grand Tour this year. Yeah, I think it just doesn't really fit with yeah what they were doing, having Ehrman around. He probably wanted leadership. But anyway, they're riders that they've come in. Roman Bardet from Azure Mondial, Marco Brenner from the Bora Development team, the bio team in Bavaria. They nicked him. Great signing. I covered that on my channel when it happened. Lech Nusund, very talented TT rider from Uno X, Norwegian. Nicholas Merkel from the Sunweb Development team. I'm not too... Brother of Angela. Pardon? Brother of Angela. Okay, sorry. They're spelled differently, so that that, that joke <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> Roma Tomberg from Nippo Delco, Juan Provence, and Kevin Vermeika from Hagen's Bermanaxian, who seem to just continually produce very, very solid riders. Uh, I do know that I think Merkel's going out with Liana Lippert, so... That's just a bit of trivia for all of you. I'm trying to look at, okay, so Vermeika won Liège, best on Liège, under 23, under, yeah, under 23 in 2019. So um, obviously he's going to just be Mark Hirschi this year. So it's not a problem at all for, for Sunweb. But seriously now, what, what do you think is the role or the plans for those riders? And do you see any one of them really overperforming Benji? Uh, I think Lechnerson's going to be really good. I think so as well. I think that, well, the obvious transfer that everybody's looking at once they uh, once they saw Evenepoel pop out of uh, the youngster categories into World Tour was also Simmons on track, but mainly Marco Brenner. We are very hyped to see what he does in World Tour. I'm pretty sure that goes for many cycling fans that have followed his career so far. Demands a beast, and I hope he can push that forward into World Tour as well. Andreas Lickensund, yes, time trialist, very, very decent. And also next to that, he's also a pretty good climber. So I could see him focusing on perhaps getting opportunities in through the Swiss, something like that, a one-week race, have an opportunity there to try and see what he can do on that level. Niklas Merkel and Combo, I don't really have a feeling on. I have no clue what they can do well and do bad. So I guess that's something we'll see throughout the season itself. For Marco, I recall him doing well at LBLU23 in the past. Um, yeah, he won. And, okay, yeah. That makes sense then. And uh, Romain Bardet, yeah, that is a, that's a good transfer. I disagree with the fact that he's going to replace Hirschi, but I completely agree that it's a good transfer for both Sunweb or DSM at this point. I'm still going to make that mistake for like another year. We all know that. But it's also a good transfer for Bardet because he's free of that French pressure on his shoulders every single time he starts at a race. And he's also kind of freeing Ajazer from that from the curse of having to go for Bardet every single time. So I think it's uh, good for all parties involved, this transfer. Lechnerson is really, really good. Eighth in Baby Lombardia, two two stages in the GC, Giro della Regione, Friuli, Venezia, Giulia. Uh, 13th in the World Champs ITT. He's about 6'2", I think, 6'1". Got some Norwegian one-day races, 1-2 races. He won the European Under-23 Champs, ITT. He looks like a very serious rider. And yep. I think he's going to fit very, very nicely alongside Kasper Pedersen, Soren Kranderson, and Teish Benoit. I think that's going to be nasty in some one-day It's race. been a while that 
we've seen a Norwegian GC rider at the top of cycling. And I believe that this rider could actually become relatively near the top in the future. He's only 21, so I believe. Second in Ronde Lizard in 2019, behind Bagioli, ahead of Champoussin and Schelling and a few other quality riders. It just... He does seem very, very good, but also good in the one-day races. Um, and I think well, he came fourth in that Slovakian 2-1 race. From memory, that had Bora there as well uh, and Sunweb proper. Yeah, he did. So he seems he seems very versatile. He seems like a Bink Bank, Bink Bank Tour GC man to me, as well as any sort of one-week race. I, I just really like him. And I think he's going to fit well with their team. And he's just a fantastic signing. Um, now on to their cobbled classics team, Benji. And I think Strade is clearly Tejbenot and Bardet is leaders. So that's slightly different. But cobbled classics, Echoff, Nico Dens, Case Bowl, Nikias Arndt, Soren Kranderson, do you take Casper Pedersen? Do you take Lechnerson, Benji, or you don't? Is that not where you don't see him as a cobble guy? You see him more as like a tall GC rider. I see him as a GC rider with the capabilities of getting like a, a top thirty-five in his first LBL stuff like that. I think that sending him to the cobbles might not be the races that you want to send him to in his first year, at least. Um, I I just see him more growing out in those other terrains, but. Yeah, you're right. I think Ekhoff is their one of their spearmen in the uh, in the cobble races in this year because, quite simply, I believe that he and Søren Kranderson are very capable of being near the front in the cobble races. I think Ekhoff rode pretty well at that Bing Bang Tour, but then flopped in the final cobble stage. So that was a bit a bit surprising. But all in all, I do very much. Oh, wait a second. It wasn't that where Søren Kralnersen had technical difficulties or was that party tour? I don't know anymore. Anyway, um, I think that those two are definitely up there as the spearheaded force of their team. Where would you send Marco Brenner to? Because I would I would send him to the cobble races. No, no, I don't think no? so. No, no, he's very small. He's very small. Okay. He's, eight, he's 18 and he's... Yeah, very skinny. I don't. He's got good power, good TT, yeah. but Ardennes, the Ardennes seems to. That's his jam, I think. Well, watching his races, like, um, what was the race in twenty nineteen? He did Giro della Lunigiana. The stages he won there. It was, yeah. He attacked on climbs. He. I recall he, a good result though somewhere in a junior Paris Bay, but I uh, twenty nineteen likely sixteenth. Wow, it's not amazing either, but. It does show that he can ride cobbles for the future, at least. 16th of junior Paris-Roubaix when you're like a top yeah. junior, I think is not too indic- is not indicative of too much. Um, yeah, Echo that's true. One under 23 Paris-Roubaix. He came second in Duaro's Doorhead Hageland behind Jonas Rickert uh, last year. And I think he's, yeah, he came seventh in Britannia Classic. He was instrumental in the Matthews win. Um, he just dominated. Yes. Last kilometer, in really impressive ride, and I think yeah, as you say, Benji, he's in that cobbled team. It's a really nice team, isn't it? It's not, it's not like it's 
you know, teams where there's clearly like Bora, where you've got Sagan, Pollitt leaders, and then Austin Co. helping. It's all of them, even Max Kanter, all of them could really be leaders in attack. And I guess that's the DSM system. But do you think, do you really think any of them are good enough to make the select group in Omloop, in Kerner, in Gent-Wevelhem, in Tour of Flanders or Paru Bay? Not consistently, so not every single time, but I, I do believe that Sudan Anderson can make that split, Niels Eikhoff perhaps in the future. Um, so yeah, I believe that they can make that split on certain occasions, but if Van Aert and Van der Poel go, then it's going to be really tough as well. So yeah, it's a bit of a perhaps for me. But you've also got just got plain riders that could go for that early attack with a smaller group like Jordis Nieuwenhuis, I think he was top 30 at RVV or something in 2020, uh, 35. So could definitely fit in that team as well. So yeah, it's it's a strong team to support their two riders that they should push forward in these races. And I think they can definitely top 10 cobble races. I think they could top five some cobble races, but they're going to have to be uh, lucky when it comes to everything falling in the right place to have a victory in the cobble season, unless Sudan Kronos can do it in the same way that Valgren did in Omelope a few years ago, in the same way that he did it in the Tour de France last year. That is, small group is left over, and right away in the final kilometer or two kilometers from that group in the same way that he did in the Tour de France, and like I mentioned, Valgren a few years ago in Omelope. What about Case Bowl? Now, I was a bit low on him, in when I did that betting uh, preview for mm-hmm. France, saying, oh, I don't really rate his hill climbing ability. The Dutch fans got very annoyed about that, and they said, actually, <laughs> he's quite good on short hills if you look closely at his previous results. But 2020 wasn't a great season for him. There was a second in a stage at the Tour de France and a third as well, but he didn't. He got one win, which was stage three at Volta, Volta Alagar before the lockdown but what i'm really not seeing from him benji is capability at the top level in the sprinters belgian classics kerner 33rd ken wevelhem 21st shelderprace 59th dnf flanders i know maybe there's some crashes technicals in there etc that i'm not accounting for but still it's not good results either and i i still think he's going to be in their team for those races he's 20 he's only 25 He's 194 centimetres and over 80 kilos. Uh, that should be his jam. But, yeah, do you see Case Bowl popping out of nowhere and with Echoff leading him out, winning Kent Wevelhem in a sprint or Kerner? I believe he can top five it, but it really depends on how it's written. We've seen Kent Wevelhem written in two occasions. First of all, you've got the occasion like last year where a smaller group gets over the hills, over the Camelberg. And after the Camelberg, that group is far away enough to sustain their lead on the peloton. Sometimes we've got the fact that that peloton is blatantly catching up with the front group. And if that occasion happens again, then he's got the possibility because I think last year he was third or something in the sprint in that in that group, in that peloton group. So yeah, it depends on how the race is ridden. I believe that when it comes to the pure cobbles, he cannot get over it with the bests. So he needs that flat section after those cobbles to make it back. And that's where the other riders in his team come in because the other riders in his team like Sudan Kralderson and Anekhoff can have that attack 
on the cobbles and be with the front guys. And that might put Kizball in a seat, but that also kind of counters Kizball because if he's at the back and those others are in the front, then he can't pace himself back with other teammates that are still there. And he eventually has to kind of hope that the other teams will bring him back for him to make a chance. But to be honest, if his teammates are in the front, he'll obviously support their their victory as well if that happens. Moving on now to their Arden team, I think it's it's difficult. Nicholas Roche, probably, yeah, he'll be in that team. Robin Bardet, Timon Aronsman. Who else, Benji? Chris Hamilton, maybe? Depends whether he's doing the Giro. It all depends on the Giro, right? I'd say uh, Elon van Welder would be in that team. Okay. Um, got a top 50 or something. Lechnesund. An LBL. So, what, sorry? Lechnesund. Yep, I would fit him in that team as well. Uh, I'm not overly certain about Kevin Vermarke yet. It's still his first year, but if, if a guy has U23 victory, why not indeed? It's not like they've got Benoit. so many riders to put in here. They lost Hirschi, so... Tej Benoit. Oh, yeah, forgot about him. <laughs> He's Belgian. <laughs> How did I do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't, well, he, it's, he came eighth in he came eighth in Liège. I mean, he's he's a tough one, right? Because if you, it looks like they're going to send him to every. He looks like he's going to be a busy man, and he's going to do Omloop, yeah. Strat, everything, Harry <laughs> Nice, all the gold classics up to Roubaix, and then surely they have to send him to the Ardennes as well. So he ain't doing the Giro, um, and then I would send it. Obviously, I think the tour suits him more anyway. All of Welter, so he's gonna be very busy man in the first half of the year. Um, wow, and but that makes yeah, but not Bardet the strongest. Send Brenner and Co to blood them for the race. Maybe Chris Hamilton, depending on how it goes. And what about Benji? That for for a press that likes to hype up their young riders, this man gets no hype. Mark Donovan, British. 21-year-old on DSM. We, I really liked what I saw from him in the Vuelta last year. Yes. He came fourth on that stage. I think he's he could be quite a good one day at Hilly Classic Racer. I dare to say yes, but then his results didn't really show that. I think he got 80 for something last year in those races. He could be part of that team, I suppose, but we've named quite a few riders that can do so. So I think his overall focus is that he wants to focus more on one-week stage race stuff. He looks to be heading to, to La Provence. So, yeah, I don't know who their leader will be there. Probably Bardet, because Mont French, Bardet. It's simple math. But, yeah, uh, I, I think that from Mark Donovan so far, we've seen breakaway stuff and not much else. So I wouldn't overhype him either. I believe in his capabilities, but I believe they've got better options for the, for the puncher races. Giro, I think, I don't know. Do you send? I think you have to send Hindley again, right? Hindley and Hamilton because Hindley TT ain't great. So it's yes. got he's got to go to the Giro once again with I think the same sort of crew as last year, um, and then go stage hunting in the Tour once again. So who would that be? Benji Dens, Hindley, Hamilton. Uh, who else did they take? Stora, perhaps. Stora, Florian Stork, Martin Salmon, Nicholas Roche. 
Roche probably would go to the Tour de France as an experienced rider, I would expect. Chad Hager, there's, um, he usually yeah, goes Hager. to the Giro. But he's also pretty good at time trials, so perhaps the Tour de France would fit in more. But then again, would he fit in the team in the Tour de France? I'm not overly certain if they want to spend an extra spot just for him, because likely in the Tour de France, they'll also have the entire sprint train for Ball. because we cannot forget last year that the Ball train was absolutely great, but he just couldn't finish it off in the end. Yeah, that's true. And... Okay, so that's the Giro team and the Giro leaders. Moving moving now to their tour team, Bardet, old Sentage Benoit, Case Bowles yes. again. I think, I mean, you have to keep committing to him. Who else? Lechnersund, I don't know, it depends. Well, Andersen for the train of Case Ball. You've got Kasper Pedersen for that same train. Yep. Yeah, those are also like, they've got the pure benefit that the riders they sent to the Tour de France for the Case Ball train are pretty much very overlapping with the riders you would send to go for stages. And that's a real yeah. benefit. Niki Azan, I think that's part of the train as well, but I don't know them by heart anymore. Yeah, that's just a yeah, powerful, powerful yeah, team. Yeah. Yeah. Niki Azan is. And, you know, even it's the small things that you don't really see and you take for granted. And it's when you see when you see Esteban Chavez when he's trying to go for stages. And we, we say it on the podcast all the time, just go for stages. Oh, why don't you just go for stages? Like it's the easiest thing in the world to get in the Grand Tour break day in, day out. Um, <laughs> and you just went to Van Chavez trying and failing like three days in a row to even get in the break for the day. You're like, oh, maybe it's, it's not just as simple as pressing the, the I want to go on the break button, and then you're suddenly in the break. <laughs> Where the tour, you see Casper Pedersen putting Kra Anderson and co. and Hirschi on his wheel when the break's already gone and bridging them across yep. in the middle of the stage and getting him and Nikias aren't getting their riders into brakes, having engines on the flat perfectly designed to bridge them across to move so they're not blowing up right at the beginning of the stage. And that's something that often we don't see. You see it in the tour if you watch closely because we have um, start-to-finish coverage. But, yeah, it's a really interesting part of cycling that is something that the DS are probably thinking about all the time. That being said, it'll be, I think, a fine balance again between stages for the sort of the quote-unquote hunters and sprinter case ball. What about Bardet, Benji? A, do you think he's got a chance on Murder Britannia? And B, do you think they are just telling him to just be relaxed and go for stages, etc., rather than actually going for GC? I do not believe he's got a chance on Murder Britannia. I believe he should go for yes. stages. You disagree? Disagree. How violent of you. I I threw something too. Man. (laughs) Do you think he's going for stages? I I believe he should go for stages to relieve himself of that French pressure and also because he can genuinely win them if he goes in the breakaway. Um, Could he do GC? Sure. But why would Bardet be willing to choose a top 10 position over two stagements, for example. Just do a Yates, like in that Vuelta or Giro at some point, where he just simply went for stages and he won them, basically. So in 2015, on the Murder Britannia, he came 34th and lost 30 seconds to, or 25 seconds to Dan Martin and uh, 20 seconds to Froome and, and Co. So that's not too good. <laughs> 
and then the one Dan Martin won, I'm trying to check. Uh, for some reason, I thought he was okay. Um, <laughs> Britannia, I don't know why I thought that. And I'm now regretting it. Uh, he came. <laughs> oh, God, he's not in there. In the... <laughs> he's even in the race that year. 33rd. He only lost 30 seconds. All right, so Benji's right. I'm wrong for once. Okay. So he's not winning the point. Always. <laughs> well, it looks like he's probably going to prove me wrong now that I've doubted him. All right. But yeah, I agree, I agree with what you said in principle about going for stages, etc. Vuelta team, I think same. I actually think Timon Aronsman is a man who they might send him yes. to the tour. They might send him to the tour, actually, and do the tour Vuelta double. Really? Keeps improving. Yeah. Oh, the double. Well, I think I, I, kind of believe I think that. he's really good. I think he's really, really yeah. good. I think that when it comes to the Vuelta Pacos, it really fits him because we've we've already mentioned it. He's got that feeling of being between a climber and a, a puncher. Um, we saw in those stages Wellens won. I think the first one Wellens won. That Ardensmont played a big role in the stage himself and tried an early attack instead of waiting till the end of that hill. And if he waited till the end of that hill with that same punch, might have been pretty close. So I think self-confidence is what he needs to work on to try and wait with that attack until it's the right moment. Perhaps that's due to experience and he'll learn that along the way, which is pretty normal, I guess, when you're such a young rider on a bike. But um, I believe in him. I also think he's had a, a shitty year in the past. I don't know which year, but he had an injury at some point in his career that pulled him back a bit and is the reason why he is now a year older in World Tour whilst he was likely already able to join that a year earlier than last year. But yeah, in the end, I I believe in Arnsman being able to take home the Velta stage if he's at the Velta. And um, I think we'll we'll see a lot more of him in the future. Do you send Bardet to the Vuelta too? Does he do the Vuelta double? He's only done one Vuelta. I mean, I think he'd be pretty good at the Vuelta too. Why not? Yeah, why not? But I'd... Tej Benoit's probably going to be a shell of a human by, the, by that point, so maybe not him. Um, Case Bowl, I mean, if you really want to win stage with the Case Bowl, the Vuelta probably would be the better option than the Tour, but I think he's still capable of snagging at a stage of the Tour. He showed that last year that he's actually he could win one. Um, well, But if we send Case Bowl everywhere, then Dainese has to write the Giro, you know? Well, yeah, he probably will, but I don't believe in Dainese. I don't believe in him. So no, that's, yeah. I believe he's better than Groves. No, nah, that's that's not right. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't really. I mean, that's not a hill I'm willing to die, like. I really care to die on. Yeah, same. Like, I don't really care either. <laughs> Marco Brenner seems like the wealth is a good option for him there. Yes, too. I mean, we say it every podcast. Just the youngest rider on the team has to go. Leknesund, yeah, the rule. exactly. Yeah, Leknesund. I don't know. That it, I feel like the tour suits him so much more. Yeah, it does, but he won't go for GC anyway. So does it matter? I know, he's Baby Dumoulin, isn't that's who he is, right? Magnuson <laughs> is Baby Dumoulin. Norwegian Baby Dumoulin. <laughs> so yeah, two would him. But yeah, I mean, I'd expect them to Max Kanter or Ekhoff winning a sprint stage in the Vuelta, something crazy like that. It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, but it's still, I think it's a really fun team, to be honest. I mean. Before we get into the hot takes and the predictions, Benji, I, I think it, it's a really fun team. I really like the way they've assembled it. Obviously, like we're speculating on their budgets, I presume that the salaries 
are in the lowest half of the world tour um, based on how young they are, although I don't know what they paid for Bardet or his salary is. But, I mean, 31 riders there, I don't know how many of them would be earning over 100000 compared to other teams. So a fair five max. Few, like Bardet obviously is and Bernard should be, etc. But, yeah, it's, it's really well assembled. I really like the purpose of it, how it works in Cobble Classics stage hunting. They've got a sprinter who is capable of winning Grand Tour sprint stages. That is important, and some teams don't have that. Um, so, but that being said, one question mark is Hindley at the Giro Benchy. Do they throw aside going for stages, and or are they going to be committed to Hindley and GC again? Do you, is Hindley is he fact or fiction? Is, what the hell is that? I've never heard the term fact or fiction in my life. Is Jai Hindley real? I believe he's real. I saw him on television. So, <laughs> but no jokes aside, I believe in I believe in Jai Hindley being a, a proper GC rider. I also we saw him grow throughout the years. It was not that it was like bomb. He's there, but it was obviously a a proper leap to get to the level that he was at the Giro. I believe he can ride GC. I believe they should focus on that. He's young enough. He's proven to have a Giro podium. He deserves a team surrounding him in the mountains. Does that mean that they need to send the entire team focused on Hindley? No. Do it in a similar fashion as last time, where you've got riders that can go for their own stuff. But when it falls into place and when you fall into a podium, at some point during the Giro, then you've got to specify okay, now we have to ride for him because we can actually pull this off. So I think it's a bit of that that combo, like, like they did last year with Matthews at the start, focus on him first, then they tried to do other stuff in breakaways, but in the end it all came down to Kelderman and Hindley in the last weeks. Yeah, I think they have to send him to the Giro and they have to let him ride fully for GC. I don't think – he can't really do anything else. That's just – that's who he is. And – um. I mean, he's he well, did well in Polonia in 2019. He finished in a group on a climb with uh, Sivakov on a hilly day with Sivakov and Jonas Vingegaard. So I think he he's not he's not fiction. I think he's but whether he's really at the level of Buchmann Lander, that remains to be seen. Like, do you think he's going to be able to hang with Lander, Buchmann, and Co next in the Giro? Um. Perhaps I can't specify that. I was like, it's a, it's, it's just a ballpark guess. But I think if he writes it at the way he wrote the Giro, his numbers should be good enough. So on paper, I'd say yes. Yeah, I think he, I think he might go right again, actually. Um, but we'll see. On to uh, over unders, Benji. They had sixteen wins in twenty twenty. They had so how many? Not only nine in two thousand and nineteen. And that was only with one Grand Tour stage. And in 2018, they had 11 as well with only two Grand Tour stages. So considering the number of races cancelled last year, a massive improvement with 16 wins. Over under 15 wins, Benji. Under. I think they're going to get like 10 or something. Uh, I think their main spear point was Hershey. He could win a lot. He's not there anymore. I do believe they've got opportunities, but... It's kind of, they had a, they had a chessboard at the start of last season. This chessboard was at the start and they made a ton of moves. Now, 
they lost their best riders who made quite a significant number of the, those moves. Kellerman involved, Hirschi involved, but Hindley is still there. So you've got a tiny bit of your chessboard left and all the rest is back to the start. And now they got to figure out to make that same stuff happen with the other youngsters on their team. And I don't believe that in 2021, we'll see someone move up in the same way Mark Hirschi did in last year. And therefore, I don't believe in as many victories as last year. I don't understand the chess analogy. I'm taking the over. Hirschi only won two races last year. And yeah, I think they're going to win over 10 easily. And I think they're going to win stage in each grand tour that's my first hot take my other hot takes are that they oh i think roman bardet i don't know i'm in two minds i actually don't know about bardet he could either be so bad and it's just a massive downward spiral or this is the best thing that ever happened to him he changes nutritionist changes training staff etc and it's like oh my god he's back to like top top level I, I don't know. Um, Soren Cry Anderson as well. I think he's not just an opportunistic rider who got lucky at a few stages. I think he's a top, top guy uh, in a variety of terrain, including like Bing Bank Tour, etc. Wouldn't surprise me if he won another stage there and a few other races. Case Bowl, I think he's going to fill in a couple of wins at least if he gets it right. Tash Benut perennially unlucky. You know, Tash Benut, Benji's only one. Uh, three races. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, I, I think that will change and that will turn around and he'll start. I think they'll start winning more. Riders like Aronsman will be winning races. Lechnerson, maybe not, but Aronsman might win a, win something here or there. So I'm going the over, bullish on them. And, oh, sorry. My other hot take is... Oh, I don't know. Do you have any, Benji? I think I'm gonna say that Lucknessund will top five to the Swiss. I believe Barco fits him. Oh, the only thing that I'm not sure about is whether he's gonna get selected for it or not. <laughs> that's flaming hot. I mean, you can. Ex- I think if he doesn't get selected for it, then if he's top five's a one week world tour level stage race, we still got to give Benji credit for that. Um, okay, but it counts if he doesn't get picked. But yeah, that's a that's a mad call. Uh, but credit to you for it. Who who else? I think, imagine if Nico Roche won a Grand Tour stage. <laughs> that would be, I'd love to see that, a 39 To be fair, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me. His career <laughs> has been long enough. He's been able to do it for years, so it wouldn't surprise me if this year it would be suddenly, oh, back at that level. I, I kind of yeah. see it happen. If it all folds right, then it's possible. But the problem is when he's in a breakaway, he's likely to break away with someone that is better than him at some point. Because, yeah, Grand Tour breakaways, 20 people at this point. So it'll be tough. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, winning each of the Grand Tours in, and also I think they're going to win, I think they're going to win a one week World Tour level stage race GC as well. I don't know where, but I think they're going to. And I don't know who from. Could be Bardet, could could break the French drought, Benji. Um, of, Henley at UAE? Pardon? Does he go there? Would Hindley be able to win UAE? Oh, I he's not going there. But I, think I think he should. UAE. I was like, no, that was Hershey. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Hindley needs a Grand Tour. I think he's like a 
needs something like Legere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think UAE would suit him too much. But he didn't do well last year, I don't think. I think he lost a lot of time on Jabal Hafif. So but maybe he's improved since then. I don't know. Maybe he was tired after Harold Sun Tour. It was the end of after his peak. But that's our, unless you've got any more hot takes, Benji, that's been our Team DSM preview. I think Benji and I differ quite a bit on the loss of Hirschi and, and the uh, the prospects of this team. I think I think they'll replicate largely what we saw last year. Maybe not sort of at the pointy end of flesh and Liège, but I think we're going to keep seeing, seeing the same sort of wins and there's going to be improvement from other of these young riders that they have on this team that aren't big names yet. Uh, I just don't know which exactly, but if you throw enough darts at the wall, it'll eventually hit a bullseye. That's been all from us, and we'll see you in the next one. Ciao. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.